This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Dude, you got in at 15? You dog. How did you get into Bitcoin at 15,000? How is that possible? I knew you were going to jump in. Very excited. That's what I figured. Um, hopefully this doesn't age poorly. But, yeah, it's very exciting times right now. No, no doubt about it, dude. Yeah, I mean, Russell Lacoon, uh now getting paid. That way I was just talking about that on the Yahoo pod. I was even bringing up Bitcoin. He's my favorite player. Yeah, good times, man. He's definitely the best athlete Twitter follow, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. No, no, in all seriousness, he is. Yeah, no, he's a deep thinker. And, and for sure, he's been on this for years. And, it's exciting to get it more mainstream and more athletes will follow. I know Spencer Dinwiddie has been on this as well for in the NBA, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just more and more in the news and uh, it keeps going, going the direction we like to see it. I mean, Russell Okung is going to, he's going to own a, a football team pretty soon. <laughs> he's been stacking with an NFL salary for this long and he's this serious about it, which he obviously yeah, is. When he quickly becomes the highest paid uh, player in football, other players are absolutely going to get some, uh, some FOMO and follow suit i would imagine it's insane and the the really insane thing that's going on is that we're at a precipice right now i i I listen to another uh michael saylor podcast and if that guy doesn't radicalize i mean if i wasn't radicalized already which one this preston pish one it's like two hours long yeah yeah yeah. everyone goes nuts that's the best one yeah i'm like uh, 30 minutes into that yeah yeah so if what he's saying is true and again you know maybe We've all just drank the Kool-Aid and confirmation bias, and we're just seeing what we want to see. But assuming it's actually true, then it's kind of an emergency right now. You know, it's like, and, and, but I've, I felt this for a long time. I felt this in, in 2006 and seven when I couldn't afford to buy a house that I wanted, and I was just making a pretty modest salary, and everybody's buying houses. The housing market is going crazy. And I'm just paying my rent every month, responsibly paying my rent in LA, probably too much. And I'm seeing people get rich, like buying a house for 500,000 and selling it a couple years later for a million. I mean, or it'd be worth a million a couple years later and refining and taking a home equity line of credit and having all this money. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm getting left behind. And then the market crashes in 2008. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess, yeah, that's why I was like not doing all this crazy stuff. And then they bail out everybody, and you're like, oh, well, you know, at least the banks that made money and the, the people who profited off all of that, a lot of the homeowners got screwed, but some people they're, they're, they were able to hang on, their houses bounced back. And, and then there's this new bubble, but now it's in the fangs. And you really are getting left behind. I mean, if you don't own Tesla and you don't own Square and a bunch of other companies, I mean, obviously Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Fangs, the last 10 years, I mean, you are, you are losing money because you think, oh, well, don't, don't be a hater. It's just other people making money. Be happy for them. But, you know, houses are priced for whoever can afford them. I mean, it's, a, it's sort of like, well, no, the, those guys with the fangs are buying that house that you wanted. Sorry. You're, it's, it's out of your reach now. You just worked for a, a salary or a wage. And this was already happening, right? I mean, as Michael Saylor says, 15 to 20% a year inflation on these assets the last couple of years yeah. going forward. I mean, over the last decade, it, 
maybe 15% a year for these kind of scarce assets or desirable assets, collectibles, art, things like that. And I mean, index funds are like, that's, that made sense 10, 12, 15 years ago, but now that's falling behind. And he was talking about how bonds are just ridiculous, the, the coupon that those pay compared to inflation. I mean, everybody's going to be losing all this money and the faster everyone's running to Bitcoin, the more only like it's going to go up even more compared to all that other stuff. And it's going to be like the only investment. It's like the only thing, unless you're like a really sharp stock trader, I can, you know, sell this and then pivot to that and sell that and pivot to this or find the one or two stocks that just, you never sell. But man, it's just a crazy, uh, it's crazy, and it's, it's becoming like an emergency because if this thing goes to 50 and then 100, 150, it's going to be so big and so covered and so in the collective consciousness that I don't know how, how people are going to, they're going to feel like I did when like I didn't have a house that was appreciating and everybody else's was. Yes, yeah, so, and, and are you worried that it becomes too big, and then where do you stand now as far as the government stepping in? Well, I'm not worried about that. Really, I mean, that's a worry. That's a possibility. That's really hard to game that out because the bigger it gets, the more they're going to want to step in, and the less power they're going to have against it. It'll be more of a juggernaut. So and they'll also set what the U.S. wants to set us back behind because this is a global, you know, race here. Yeah, I mean, I think all the authoritarian people in the world want to get rid of this thing because it really undermines the authority. That's but, the thing. The G, whatever, right? The, what is it? The G. What is it? The G eight, yeah, the G seven, yeah, whatever. Sorry. It is. Yeah, I whatever. don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You could be right. That's a concern. I know that is definitely uh, whatever. But, I, I, I've come across more like FUD and, and negative articles recently, just because you know it's blowing up so much. So I just want to counter at you. So I just want to throw these at you. So I want to hear hear your hear your hear your defense. Well, I mean, they better hurry up because if Apple and Tesla and you know, already like Paul Tudor Jones and Michael Saylor and Square are in, and even uh, Massachusetts, uh, what's a Mass Mutual insurance company put a hundred million? That's not a big investment for them. But as more and more people get in, there's a lot of people we don't know are in. I mean, a lot of big names. And if this thing goes up to one hundred fifty thousand or whatever, there's going to be so much money and power in there that. Uh, Sorry, Cash App. You know, it's offering like credit cards. Like you're getting Bitcoin back. For if you pay with credit cards, Mark Cuban, who's been a, a vocal uh, a dissing it against it, is now that the Mavs are offering you to, to pay through Bitcoin. They're they're they're, they're now going to be innovative as it comes to it. So the changes are just yes, they're coming and they're coming fast. And of course, you know Russell Okung, the, the Panthers didn't pay him in Bitcoin; they paid him in dollars. But there's yes. a, a Lightning app that basically converts yep. the dollars to Bitcoin and puts them in your account without you having to go out and buy Bitcoin. And this is available to anyone. So, I mean, this thing's going to be mainstream. It's just... Yeah, it's, that maker claims he has a bunch of athletes lined up, which I don't see any reason to, to, to not believe him. Yeah, and I'm sure Russell Okung, who now, in a couple of days, has now gained, like, <laughs> what, 10 15% of his salary, or the half that he put in Bitcoin in two days. You know, he got six and a half and there, and now it's seven million, and now it's... So, yeah, they're going to see that. Obviously, they're aware of it. He's talking to them and other people. It's just the incentives are so aligned. And then, you know, you see these, like, regulations or someone like Steve Mnuchin, and you're like, yeah, you're, like, building a sand dune and a tsunami's coming. You know, you're regulating. I mean, it's like you're building. You can't stop this. This is This is more powerful than... It's going to be more powerful than the governments because the governments are just people using influence, which is money, and it's basically just you know energy, you know this this money. And if the energy gets too big, that's stored in this, you know, as Michael Saylor says, monetary network, who's going to stand against it? Who's going to stop it? Yeah, no, it's super exciting times, and there's someone in the Senate now. Um, oh yeah, her name. Yeah, the Wyoming uh, Cynthia yeah. Loomis. Cynthia Loomis. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Seriously, uh, I, I would honestly, if I'm going to move back to the U.S., I would look at Wyoming because if it has friendly laws for Bitcoin, I, I think like there's going to be a lot of prosperity there. There's going to be a lot of bi- successful businesses there, and that will breed restaurants and services and schools. If you care about that, all that kind of stuff. 
So there's a lot of wide open land there. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Although uh, Heather's uh, Heather's family, some of them live in Boulder, which is only two hours from the Wyoming border. So we were just we were thinking about it if we ever came back. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And those are different things you need to consider when discussing yeah where to live these days. And and probably two years from now will be very different too. Um, yeah, anyway, super exciting time. It's man. just I'm crazy. I'm, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's it, yeah. It's it, it's awesome. I'll, I'll just say to people. Listen to and watch as much Michael Saylor, S-A-Y-L-O-R, as possible. Because, you know, you and I are pretty good at discussing some of this stuff, but this guy is the master. Nah, it's like, yeah, nowhere near him. It's yeah. like he just, I mean, he lays it out there. And I listened to a lot of stuff and gone pretty down the rabbit hole, was pretty convinced. But that guy will radicalize you. That guy will make you totally. be like, as, as you said, I think, last week. Uh, no, it's not. The risk isn't that you're in this. The risk is that you're not in this. Like the risk is that things happen fast and you didn't look ahead. You know, that, that suddenly like the, the change has happened. This gigantic seismic shift has happened to our system. And COVID is probably accelerating that, although that's a different kind of change going on. But, and, and you just are reactive like, oh, okay, well now... What do I do? And suddenly, like the dollars you have aren't worth anything, and the index funds you have aren't very good. And uh oh, you know it's too late. So I don't want to be alarmist, but I would just say just listen to that stuff, make your own, do your own research. But it's pretty compelling. Yeah, no, I, I'm a dummy still. Am when it comes to well, most things, but inflation and all that. But it's been interesting learning more about Austrian economics and going down that whole rabbit hole. And uh, I would definitely recommend Sailor. He would be the top of my list as well. Uh, meanwhile, here in the U.S., uh, did you see that our uh, dietary guidelines rejected recommendations to cut sugar and alcohol intake? Have you seen this this on the Wall Street Journal? That literally they just said, "Nah, we're, we're good." The lobbyists win. Yeah, I didn't see that, but. Doesn't it seem like it doesn't matter more and more? Like, oh, those are their recommendations. Like, who believes the authorities anymore anyway? Yeah, I guess In this case, it is, you know, sugar. Who cares, you know? So that's what they're saying. Like, that's just, it's almost like you do the opposite of what they say. It's almost good that they I guess that's fair. So, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you be more scared if they started co-opting some of it, but not all of it? Like, kind of leaving in <laughs> seed oils, but getting rid of sugar? It, it seems almost like the more absurd, the better. It just illustrates what they are. Yeah, and who is this scientific advisory committee that got together, uh, even though their conclusion certainly makes uh, sense uh, as far as sugar is concerned? But, um, yeah, I, I, get, I, get, I guess I get what you're, what you're saying there. So it's, it's all a farce. Yeah, who's taking the authority seriously anymore? It's an ever-dwindling group of people. So, like, everybody who voted for Trump hates the mainstream media. Okay, so that's, like, what, 70 million people. And most of the people who voted for Bernie in the primary, that's like, I don't know, 20 million. I don't know how many people voted for him, 15, 20 million. They hate the mainstream media. And then like a lot of the non-political people, people who don't vote, but just see what fraudulent phonies those guys are, hate them. I mean, who's left, right? It's like an ever-shrinking amount of influence that they have. And it's yeah. a, lot, a lot of stuff's going on, man. Like, so, you know, you've heard of the, uh, the Great Reset, that whole thing? Yeah, yeah. And there's like the poster of some like millennial type of guy, and it says, You'll own nothing, but. And you'll love it. And you'll be happy. You'll be happy, yeah. And and I thought, I was thinking about that, what that is. And I started thinking about it. Let's say you were a kid and you have some siblings, and your parents were like alcoholic gamblers, and they had money at one time, you lived pretty well, and then they started maxing out credit cards and being super irresponsible and basically like they blew everything and they come to you and they know it's screwed, right? They know they can't give you steak and they can't live in a a decent house that's clean anymore. So they tell you, we're going to move into this very tiny, we're going to move into the family minivan, but it's going to be awesome, right? We'll be able to move, you know, our house is a mobile house. We can go wherever we want and we can't really eat. The foods we used to eat, but we'll eat some dog and cat food. But it's really cool because there's all these different flavors. And you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to be really excited about this. That's what this sounds like to me. Like they broke the system. They know they got to print. They know the printing is going to dilute everything so that anyone uh, who's relying on the 
fiat currency is going to have less, fewer and fewer assets. They're basically not going to be able to afford assets, which is already happening. Average worker can't afford a nice house or share in the S&P 500 is getting further and further uh, from his reach. Apple shares are more and more expensive relative to what they're making. And, and this is a way just to, to prepare people for that. Prepare, but also it's desperate, right? Like it would, be, you'd, it would be a desperate move for the parents who gambled away and lost everything, squandered it all, to try to sell the kids on, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to be in the van. It's going to be awesome. It's yeah. going to be incredible. Uh, yeah, it's so bad that you. It's like so bad that you flip it to where it's like it's so absurd that they make it a positive. Right. Let's just market I mean, this to our kids. Take it so like so to the extreme that like it's, yeah okay yeah it does. Kind of so they don't way. see us for who we are. <laughs> they don't hold us accountable for what we've done. Right. We don't say, oh my god, I am so sorry. We blew this. It's going to be horrible. We will do everything we can to fix this. You know, we're not going to gamble. We're not going to drink anymore. We're going to get honest jobs, and we're going to rebuild our lives and you know any mm-hmm. any bit we can save is going toward you and toward your future and blah 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 right that'd be one uh, we didn't it, yeah instead twist it positive right spin it you're gonna eat this vegan uh vegan soy shit you're gonna get this bug meat you know you're gonna get this lab meat you can't eat steak anymore uh, be careful you know don't go outside without a mask your breathing is a toxic danger to other humans you won't own a house you won't own anything but it's going to be great. You're going to be you're going to love this new way. You're going to be online all the time. And what Michael Saylor was saying in that podcast, he was saying that like, you know, they measure inflation. Inflation's fake. There's just things inflation. And I'll tell you something interesting about inflation. You ever do a keeper league? You, I know you have. You did the staff keeper league at Rotowire. Oh yeah, I mean, plenty of keeper leagues. Yeah, I got okay. I got Jalen Hurts in a couple of dynasties. Well, let's, Very let's, let's talk. Let's talk uh, baseball keeper where there's salaries attached. And we can so, do that in football too. But yeah, okay. okay. And this every year in the staff keeper league, like we had, you know, Carl Crawford when he's still in fifty bags. You know, Jeff had Mike Trout in his rookie contract for three bucks. You know, we had sure. rookie bets for like thirteen bucks. We extended them a couple of years. So what happens is, let's say you're in a regular auction, right? Mookie bucks goes, Mookie bets goes for forty three bucks, and Trout goes for forty five or whatever. And but you got Trout for three, right? What's going to happen if there's like, you know, 15 keepers. So there's 15 keepers, 18 teams. Now, not every keeper was Mike Trout at three bucks. Some of them were guys who were just slightly under their market. But Mm -hmm. the point is you could add it all up and be like, okay, there's like, there's like 900 more dollars out there to spend on the remaining players. than there should be if these guys went for full market value, right? Like, so there's guys that like expire and they're back in the pool, really good star players. But so many of the star players are kept at under market value, which means the teams that have them have way more budget left than they would if they had paid market value for them. So I got trouted three, should have been 45. That means I got $42 more than I would in like a, a regular yearly league. So what happens when I've got it's not just $42 in surplus, I'll say, but say $100 in surplus, and the average person has $75 in surplus among the teams, what happens to the players that are available in that case? Yeah, it's inflation. <laughs> but how, okay, so what? How, so if you're going to model this and you're going to make dollar values and you, and you figure, okay, there is basically, and I'm just going to make it simple. Instead of having a thousand dollars for for the players that are left, because I bought Mike Trout, you know, for fifty. Instead, I bought him for three. There's two thousand dollars left for the same group of players that are remaining. Mm-hmm. What would you do in your model to the, each player's value? Yeah, I don't know. Do you double it? Well, that's the question, right? So what happens? Yeah. Well, what happens in practice, right? Let's say you do double it. Let's say you make, okay, so I think maybe that's a, a too, too extreme because it, it won't, let's say it's three to two, right? It's 1,500 left, right? So let's say, okay, it's three to two. So we've got a player that's available, say it is uh, Ronald Acuna, and he normally goes for 40. Well, there's, you know, 150% of the money, so I'll bid 60 on him. Right. And someone goes 61, and someone goes 62, and someone goes 63. What actually happens? And then you're like, all right, I've got a player for six bucks. Let's go nine on him. And he goes for seven or six or even five. What actually happens when you play it out in this inflationary environment in a keeper league? Uh, what do you mean? I don't know. What happens? The, all the inflation goes to the top, most of it. Like 
almost all oh, the excess yeah, money because they're the guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. That makes. Sense. I mean, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, almost all the excess money goes to the Ronald Acuna's and the Clayton Kershaw's and whoever the difference makers are. And everybody's a little more expensive, but the bulk of it the goes. Inflation is all the stars. Yeah, I guess that's star, true. It's the stars and the mid. I mean, mid low. Any well, that was an eighteen team league, so it was really deep. <laughs> but if you were in a twelve team league, it would really just be the stars. Once you realize that, you can't have a model that just equally weights the inflation across the board. Sure. Doesn't make sure. any sense. Sure. But that's how we think of inflation in in goods. We're like, oh well, if in, you know, if it's two percent inflation, everything's two percent more expensive. That's how it is. We model it as though it's all the same, but that's just not how it works. And it's Michael distributed equally, not remotely, because and and you know what Michael Saylor was saying is like a Netflix show. Everybody who subscribe, every new subscriber to Netflix can, you know, if, if Netflix has. 20 million subscribers or 40 million, it, it doesn't really cost them much more to add 20, you know, double their subscribers. There's no scarcity in Netflix content, right? It's, they stream as much of it, it's just unlimited amounts of it. Uh, there's no scarcity in like breakfast cereal. They can make just billions of boxes of that stuff. It's not expensive, you know, it's high profit, it's processed food, they can, it's just almost infinitely available. The, it's the stuff that's scarce, that goes up disproportionately. Things like a house in a desirable area. Things like you know, art. Things like stocks that you would want to own. To me, the great reset is you can have only the non-scarce stuff. We're going to inflate things so horribly that everything's going to be out of reach for you. We're basically going to debase the money, like steal all your money. But you'll be happier because you can have all this like non-scarce stuff. And technology is making more and more not... Like, Everybody can have a cell phone with full smartphone capacity, you know, the whole deal. That was like a big deal to have a smartphone 20 years ago. Yeah, no, it does seem like that is where, where the message is. That is what the message seems to be. And that doesn't seem great. <laughs> um, is that going to, I don't know, is that going to work? Are people going to accept that? Uh, what, what, what happens next? Well, people are being trained to accept it, right? They're, they'll tell you, like, you, you consume too much or you shouldn't eat meat or... You shouldn't take airplanes or... I agree. They're being trained. But are, and then what's going to happen? They're being trained to say, you know, this is not right. This is unequal. You have too much. And I don't think it's going to work. Or I think it might work on some people. I mean, if, if you want to accept that, accept that. I mean, but you have to understand, this isn't because it's for the good of you. It's for the good of the planet. It's because they just basically broke the money in 2008. They just destroyed the system. They kicked the can down the road. It was going to fall apart anyway. COVID is just the excuse. And there's a, there's a thread uh, from this woman who does a lot of research on, uh, well, I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. But it's Alina Chan at AYJ Chan. And she seems like a very legitimate researcher. She's worried about COVID in terms of just catching it. She's not like one of the deniers. But she... She was the one who tweeted out that uh, BBC article where they got blocked when they were trying to investigate the origins. But she's had a lot of threads lately. That right. if I'm betting on it, I'm saying this thing came from a lab. I, you know, I don't know for sure. You know, I don't. I don't think it's proven one way or the other. But if I'm betting, it's very fishy the way they're covering up, and there's a lot of different cover-ups and data disappearing from places. And of course, all that stuff is I don't know. Not really. Do I really know if that's true? Uh, I just try to judge by the people and what they're saying and who they are. But who knows? I can get fooled like anyone else. But it's I, just a little annoying that the more information we had on it, you know, it'd be for, for the better. You know, that's 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 the issue. The secretiveness is is a, a hindrance. Right. The, you know, the, the, the problem is anytime we solution. The problem is anytime we read anything about stuff like that that we can't directly observe, like we could be being fooled in any direction. Like maybe she's like an agent of some agenda. She doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've, I've, I've check out her too. Yeah. It's uh, Alina Chan. It's at A Y J Chan, one word. Um, anyway, uh, that's just something. But but whether it's COVID is the excuse they can have, and now you you better stay at home. You better not you know support entrepreneurs and all this stuff. I, I don't know. To me, that's the great reset. It's like we we screwed up. We gambled away all your money, kids. And but instead of just facing the music, which they might get the pitchfork yeah. if they do that, it's no, no, no. If you're if you're a good person, you're going to do what's right, and what's right is stop eating meat and stop doing this, and try to get people to just sell that message and buy into that. I don't think it's going to work. I think Bitcoin is is both a wrench in their plan, 
but also an out for them. Like if, if, you know, productivity and human growth and, uh, not just productivity. I think that's a very sterile word, but just sort of the capacity to self-determine and innovation happens because we have a money that's not being printed into worthlessness. Those guys may get let off the hook because of it too, right? It's an out. It's like, ah, we fucked up, but it's okay. Everyone's fine. Just convert your dollars to this and earn money in this. And and you actually can save money and, and invest and own something that you want at some point. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Um, yeah, definitely. It seemed the mess. The message message seems like uh, you will, you know, you will have you will deal with it and you will like it. Yeah, um, you'll so. eat this dog shit and you'll like it. Eat that dog shit. Enjoy it. I think it's desperation, though. I think it's really desperation. They blew it, you know. And like, so this is this is all they got. Speaking of all that stake, you are. Have you seen the footage of? Uh, I'll, I'll shoot you it if not, but. A legit fake steak they're they're coming up with making it on 3d printers uh no i haven't seen it you're gonna have some all right it's like it's like next level looking no i'm not a like i'm no i'm probably more animal based myself but it, it's pretty uh pretty interesting stuff that and dancing robots too also i saw i'll send you video footage of that but we're all doomed they're they have robots that are fully uh fully equipped to take over very very soon yeah. um what else you got Liz? so there's that so i so here's the other thing. So for New Year's, our friends from the UK were supposed to come visit us. They've all had COVID. So we're like, all right, I won't see, you know, what could go wrong? So we invited them and they booked their flight. But the UK is banned from going anywhere because they have this new strain of the virus, which is apparently in the rest of Europe and in the US even now. But, you know, this is like a week ago, they banned the flight. So they, they literally could not come. They were not allowed to go mm. uh, to, the, to another country, which is kind of messed up in itself. But okay, and they already had COVID. So we ordered all this food, and so it's like Heather, me, and Sasha. Like, okay, so we got to make this stuff. So tonight, last night, we made a giant tomahawk steak that we had bought. It was excellent. I cooked it just right. Giant bone, just huge, you know, those giant, like, tomahawk steaks, super thick. Oh, yeah, of course. And then tonight, I made, we got the seafood delivery, and we get the, the vegetable delivery. Now, the seafood delivery, this is 29 euros, about 35 bucks. You get a crab. You get a bag, like a, a pound of shrimp, really good shrimp. You get uh, a pound of cockles. Cockles are like mini clams. A pound of mussels. I think that's it. But anyway, it's a really good deal, right? The crab itself in the U.S. would be like 25 bucks, this thing, right? Right. Oh, no. and, and then we also ordered 36 oysters, right? So we have 36 oysters that like taking up our whole fridge because you got to like put them on ice and preserve them and all that stuff. So I made, I shucked six oysters. I made oysters, made a mignonette sauce. I made this... Uh, cockle soup it's like clam soup and basically i steam the clams but in the water that i steam it, i put white wine i chop potatoes really thin and put uh, a couple packs of bacon in there and then uh, i put parsley garlic tomatoes some chili peppers salt and pepper and olive oil lemon in the in the steamer with the cockles and they open up and then i dump them into the broth with the you know the wine the water and the bacon and the potatoes and serve it as a soup so we had that and then I sauteed the shrimp and garlic and butter, and then I made a salad, and then I made the crab. I boiled it, uh, melted some butter, had a butter sauce, and I'm just stuffed. But it was like a seafood. It was like, you know, the, the only problem with it and why, like, you go to a restaurant for this kind of thing, it was fresh. It was restaurant quality. It was excellent. Oysters, delicious. The, the clam soup, amazing. Sasha was eating it. She loved it. Is that when you're cooking it, it's just so hard to time all that stuff perfectly. So like I'm having them sit down, but I'm still like waiting for the, uh, the cockles to open so that I can, so that they're done and pour. It's just like impossible to time four different seafood dishes at once. And I'm trying to like shuck these oysters and not cut myself with the oyster knife, but man, it was good. That sounds delicious. I want to see some pictures. You should have uh, should have put put some on social media. Well, I had to take a picture the, of the shells. I'll show you. It is okay, a good. it is a like like the leftovers, like the decimation of all the seafood shells. Nice. I know the phrase "it warms my cockles," but I did not know that was also a seafood you could eat. So yes, that's some, yes. uh, yeah. Okay. And this right, is so it's that, not that, code for anything. And there's no other meaning to it. It's literally like a a small clam, basically. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. But that sounds uh, all sounds uh, good. Yeah, I love crab. I haven't had it in a while. Um, yeah, it sounds delicious. you have any plans for uh, New Year's? You're, you're like off, right? Are you going somewhere? No, I well, I took the, the shows off because, I mean, I did all my regular stuff like this podcast, but I took the shows off because I was supposed to be 
going out all the time with these friends who were going to just fly and stay with us and like, you know, and mostly just be in our house, but we were going to go to like outdoor restaurants and stuff. And they were cool. They're like used to staying in like nice hotels, but they're just crashing with us. So we we're like going to like do it up for them. So we got all this good food. And so that's too bad. I, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, and it's just cool because they're like, you know, they're like Heather's best friend. And I like them. We've gone in there to London for Christmas like every year. And it's like so nice staying in their house. They have this big brownstone. You get your own like floor with your own bath. It's like really nice. And yeah, it's London, okay. Yeah, you've talked about it. And it's like London Christmas is like very nice. It's just very traditional. But so I took these shows off. Heather's like, can you take those shows off? I'm like, yeah. And when you take a show off, you know, some, someone subs in for you and puts that into their schedule. So I could have been like, oh, get me back in. But I'm like, ah, you know, it's fine. Just let them do it. It's week 17 anyway. So I didn't, we're not going anywhere. But tomorrow, so we got this Wagyu steak, two Wagyu steaks from this other. So I don't know how Lisbon just got this. We got tapped into like the network now. So we have like the best seafood that delivers to your house, the best vegetable box. And I'm learning to cook like eggplant and these like turnips and these weird uh, kohlrabi. There's all this weird stuff they have, and I've, it's cool. Like you get this mystery, you know, basket of stuff, and then I figure out how to make it all. So now I can make all these different things. I'm learning how to cook all the seafood, and now we got the wagyu steaks. So we're gonna make a wagyu skirt steak and like a, a different kind, like a, a New York steak. Two of them, giant steaks, and then we're, we had 36 oysters. We ate six of them tonight. I gotta make. I gotta shuck thirty oysters. So we're having oysters, and then there's still mussels left over in the seafood box. So I'm not gonna make the potatoes and bacon, but I'm just gonna steam the mussels with garlic and white wine, and then have thirty oysters, and then have these steaks. So and some potatoes, maybe. So that's what we're doing. But it's just Heather, me, and Sasha. So we're like just kind of living it up. We're, we're going to lunch with our friends during the day tomorrow, but we're just living it up again. We're just having another ridiculous uh, meal. I love it. Skirt steak, underrated. Uh, I know it's a cheaper cut of meat, but uh, man, uh, it was a favorite of my dad. So I've been eating it since a kid. And one of the best steaks I've ever had was Las Vegas Craft Steakhouse Skirt Steak Wagyu. Like you said, I didn't even know they had that version of Skirt Steak Wagyu. I thought that was like a joke, uh, uh, oxymoron, if you will. But it was, deli- like I said, probably top three steak I've ever had. So let me know how that turns out. Well, you know, as we've talked about, it will not be as good as that because the meat probably is as good. But you need that 1500 degree oven, right? To do it right. <laughs> so like, I don't have that. So I'm going to match. Yeah. yeah. So I'll cook. I, I'm pretty good at cooking now. I'm pretty good. At just the feel for it, the timing and just making it that it's, you know, seared and medium, you know, and then rare in the middle. But, uh, but yeah, you just can't simulate the, the heat. Yeah. That sucks. That your plans are changed. Um, uh, I, what are you uh, doing for New Year's? I, I do not have any uh, any plans. I actually I feel bad. I, I I said no to the XM show because I have some some job stuff that my my timing is off, and I am gonna p- apologize for Jeff. He thinks that I always avoid him when you're not on, and I feel bad. But right now I'm just overlapping with some basketball stuff. I'm gonna apologize to him on air next week. But I don't have anything going on for uh for for New Year's. No, nothing nothing exciting. I, I even bought some cigars. I like you know I don't know. I was spoke about myself on the balcony. Like no one's seen. It's like Sasha and Heather here. There's nothing. It's uh, but it's cool. Last year we had a rager, and I'm fine with having a mellow New Year's. I don't really care about New Year's that much. I've had very mellow ones many times in the last ten years. Um, yeah. uh, there's one other thing I got I got to talk about, and then we'll get to these football games. But I'm sure you might have some stuff. But so I don't know if you heard this on the XM show, but we we went away for Christmas for a few days down to the Algarve, and uh, it's like three hours south. It's like a resort, very nice. Had our own little space. It's chilly there, but it was, it's usually warm, but it was a cold spell, but it was nice. But they didn't take dogs, so we had to put a six-month-old, not yet six-month-old Oscar. Uh, we're going to take him to this dog hotel, but it's too much of a pain and too much of a car ride. So there's this like couple that has a business of taking care of your dog for the whole day, and they live on this uh, like piece of land outside of Lisbon, like 20 minutes outside of Lisbon. It's really nice. It's by this river, very like rustic. And they have like, you know, 20 dogs there at a time. And they basically like for the day, take people's dogs, run them around outside together. And it's like a great service. And so they said, yeah, oh no, we can take him for a few days. No problem. So they take him and they send videos of him and stuff. You know, you're like, feel good about it. Like you're like, oh, there he is. He's playing with, they're like, oh, here's his best friend, you know, and he's playing with another dog and stuff. Seems good. So on the way back, we go to pick him up. We stop at the, the like, it's kind of like a little quinta, a little farm. And they're like, oh, come on in. You want to see the river or whatever? And there's like 
six dogs there in Oscar because it's like the day after Christmas, and I think he was like one of the only two that were still there for the you know for that time. And so we walked down, you know, like a couple hundred meters to the to the river, and we're chatting. And all of a sudden, these two dogs start fighting over this bamboo stick, and it gets pretty aggressive. And these dogs, like these are their dogs, and they they find a lot of strays like on the street and stuff. They're rough dogs, and they're big. One of them's really big. He's like a mastiff or something. All of a sudden, like one of them has got his jaws around the other one's neck, and he's squeezing hard. And the dog starts making this whining sound, like an animal makes when a lion's killing it, you know, when it's like snuffing the air out of it. Oh, no. And he's killing the other dog. And the woman, who's like the dog whisperer, freaks out. She starts like almost crying. And and, and then the guy, who's also like a dog whisperer, is like, her husband's like, he's killing, he's killing the dog. He's killing, I don't forget the name of the dog. He's killing him. He's killing that dog. And Sasha's there like, totally. That would be traumatized. Traumatized. And Heather's traumatized. Heather gets easily... So I run and I grab the, oh, I, wouldn't want, I grab I the Mastiff by my, you know, by his like metal collar, but I got this, my right pinky is still messed up from that surfax and still really hurts. So I grab it and rip him back <sighs> and I pull him back a bit. But like, first of all, it hurts like hell because of my pinky. But second of all, I'm, I'm pulling him back, but he's still got the dog in his mouth and I'm like shaking him a bit, but I thought, oh, like, so I let go and then. I look at the dude. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like I grab a stick. I'm like, what do you want me to do? You know, I mean, there's, we got 10 seconds here. You know, the dog's gonna be dead. The dude runs, Cesar runs, tackles the dog. I don't know what he, I couldn't really see cause he was like rolling around with it. And it's a very powerful dog. I mean, it's a, one of the strongest dogs I've ever seen and puts his fist or his, whatever right in his throat. And he finally lets the other dog go. And he's got the dog like wrestled to the ground and calming the dog down. And then the other one's like warbling away, like very traumatized. And Sasha and Heather and the, the woman are traumatized. And I'm like pretty calm, but I'm like, man, he really did almost kill that dog, but I guess he's okay. And then we kind of all walk back a couple hundred yards to the, to the car. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry you had to see that. And we're like, yeah, sorry if our presence caused that. You know, maybe they got a little like jacked up because there are all these new people there. Anyway, apparently the dog is fine. And apparently that dog who almost got killed is a street dog who's very, like was always messing with and stepping on and peeing on the big dog and like just like constantly provoking him. And the big dog just snapped basically is what happened. And then that's a crazy story though to come yeah, across. Oh, oh, and Sasha's like the day that night of, she's like, is he okay? Is he okay? And she's like freaked out, you know, still. But then we, we left Oscar with them the other day and he was fine. Sent us videos. <laughs> we feel like we trust them. Like the, the, I really trust them, but it was some crazy shit. No, I can imagine the sound that must've been. Oh, it was like a squeal. Like it was a squeal, you know, a death squeal. I mean, I think yeah. he had 10 more seconds. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. That's, that's a crazy story. Um, you kind of bury the lead there. Um, we can talk some fo- football now. Uh, only notes I have written down is, you know, the Nashville bombing was obviously pretty, um, pretty crazy. And the message before, if you had any thoughts on that. And then one other thing, you can delete this if you don't want to talk about it further, but I, I, I heard you talking about some sort of movie, a wine movie that, that oh, was yeah. like the worst ever. I mean, that, that sounded like a funny story if you wanted to talk further on that. Yeah. I didn't really pay to, I heard about the Nashville thing. I didn't really follow up on it. So I don't know. I don't know anything about it, actually. I just know that something mm-hmm. happened, but I didn't follow the details. But yeah, well, he led a, a warning message so like no one else died, and, and officers went door to door and saved people's lives and stuff. So like he had a, a warning message glaring out: if you can hear this, evacuate the area. So he wasn't there to like hurt anyone but himself, which was you know interesting. You know, something like you usually only see in a movie. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's weird. No, but I didn't really know much about it. The movie story was just that. We were talking about the Detroit Lions performance against, and I had the Lions getting points against the Bucks, and of course Stafford got hurt early, but still, you know, regardless, this is professionals. I said it was the at first. I said it was it was the worst performance of any human beings in any endeavor, not just the worst football performance at any level, high school, whatever, in any endeavor. Like the worst, it was worse than like the worst high school band performance, and it was worse yeah, than the worst play, yeah. avant-garde performance art. You know, what I mean, it's worse than any of that. But then I remembered that there was actually something worse, which the story was that uh, Heather's aunt Michelle is, she lives in New York. She's a very sociable person. She likes to do a lot of stuff. And, uh, and she just, she goes out a lot. She goes out sometimes by herself and she will go to a bar and order dinner and just chat up. You know, she's like 72 or something like that. 
but she's, she's young at heart. So just chat up people and have a conversation with them at the bar. And she met this guy probably in his forties or fifties. And she started talking to him and the guy was a movie, a filmmaker. And maybe this was in LA when she was there because she also has a place in LA. He said he made a movie recently and uh, it was about, it was about sommeliers and wine and, and, Michelle was like, oh, that's, that's so interesting. My niece is, you know, she, that's her, you know, she works in the wine business. Let me, what's the movie? Let me send it to her. He's like, he gave her the link or gave us the a CD or DVD or whatever. This is like five years ago. Anyway, so we, uh, we're like, all right, let's check this out. This is Michelle's guy. You know, we know it's going to probably be bad, but you know, whatever. Michelle's just like, it's random, like this stuff. So we put this thing on and it was honestly, it was worse than the Detroit Lions performance, but but it, but because of that, and because it wasn't trying to be, it was trying to be good. It was one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. You know, it was truly. I mean, to do that earnestly, you know, to do that without any self, you know, without self consciously tanking, it was incredible. I mean, it was it was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Like, the, it was so. The acting was so preposterous. The, the story was so <laughs> preposterous. I, I can't even. There's no movie that you could ever see at a movie theater that would that would do it justice. And but it was serious. You know what I mean? It had like a plot of sorts. You know, it was put together by somebody who thought this was actually a, a legitimate movie. So it was it was incredible. I wish I knew the title and remembered it because I would highly. I was going to say. I would highly recommend it, but there's no way I could possibly track it down. I doubt. You know, we didn't even know who the guy is. I doubt she even remembers. And, uh, you know, hopefully they were just trolling you. I hope so. If, if they did, if they were, I mean, hats off, man. That was legit. <laughs> that was legit. Troll. We, I don't think we got through the whole thing, but it was, it was really, uh, it was next level. Oh, that's funny. All right. We'll point everyone to go should check out Liss's East coast offense column where he grades his, uh, preseason predictions. Um, I, or you want to go over those or do you want to point everyone over there to just check? Yeah, them? just check them out. I'll, I'll give you a couple. I, I said, Justin Jefferson, just cause they had the same name. I said, Van Jefferson, ADP 75 will outperform Justin Jefferson, ADP 55. And uh, you know, that obviously is, not remotely the case, but I don't know if you remember, but Van, oh, I do. He's so hyped, so and so Justin hyped. Jefferson was was behind BC Johnson. They're like, yeah, he's running like behind BC Johnson, who's starting with Thielen, and it was like, just, it was like, why do they take Justin Jefferson? They're not going to use him, and you know, he's not going to replace Diggs, and so anyway, I, but I fell for it, you know. So I was like, yeah, I made this prediction, but I I only chose Justin because his ADP was higher, and he had the same last name, same last name, another man. rookie. It just seemed like. A funny thing to say, and man, that could not have been more wrong. I had some other ones. I had that uh, Cam Newton would outperform Josh Allen. Cam Newton ADP eighteen, Monk QBs would outperform Josh Allen ADP nine. A bunch of stuff like that. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, people weren't Van Jefferson was legitimately super hyped by yeah, the local media and every yeah. like every yeah, it was a play of the he was a player of I think he was voted MVP of the camp or whatever. But yeah, yeah but you did get the last one right as usual, right? Yeah, that uh, some of these predictions will be wrong. I know I, people like mock that. They're like, oh, you're stealing one. But I, I mean, it, it comes at a cost, man. I can never go 20 for 20. And the thing is, these predictions are almost all, Pete likes to point out every year, it's true, but he points it out, that by like one of these seven teams will make the playoffs. And, and none of them has yet. It's, but Washington and the Giants and the Dolphins were among my like seven. So like there's a good chance one of them makes it, but none of them has clinched yet. But he always points out that that's actually a plus EV bet and it is, but I got to give myself something, you know, because these are hard. I'm yeah. like, Odell Beckham will be a top three PPR wide receiver. I mean, that's hard. It's hard to hit. Them. And it looks crazy to the eye. Most importantly, you know what I mean? Like right. you're writing it, you know, like yeah. it looks crazy. Right. One of those teams has to make the playoffs. And, and before the season, you're like, these teams are terrible, but it is, it is a plus EV bet. It is actually. Yeah. Yeah, that many. Um, so, staff picks. I think I'm one game behind you entering the last week. I saw too a horrible year for all of us. Uh, yeah, even Pinot, who's winning it, is only like six games over 500, and, and terrible on best bets, and just the whole thing. It's you know, it's just been a disaster. It's been bad, yeah. but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, let's let's finish it out here strong. Yeah, yeah let's we finish. Or weekly, cares? No, or weekly I, well, we I don't care about the super contest, but I I do care about my permanent. You know, these things are my permanent record. So it's like, yeah, when you track your all your lifetime record that goes back twenty years, you can't just be like, ah, screw it. You know, uh, this this year sucked. You know. But these are especially silly. Like, what uh, the? How, how are you supposed to make of the of the Browns favored by ten over the Steelers when the Browns have a COVID outbreak now? So I have oh, they did. Know. Yeah. So that's, that's what. I, okay, yeah. I didn't even see that. All right. So let's go over these. All right. Ready? 
Cowboys minus three at Giants. I mean, I'm a Giants fan. If they win this, they got a good chance to win the division. Of course, I'm going to take the Giants, but Cowboys have definitely been better of late, but three on the road seems like a bit much. Oh, it's, it's it dropping. Yeah, I thought it was even three and a half when I sent this in. But yes, I still took the Giants. And of course, you got to make it a perfect 16 for 16 back in the GM yes. this year. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. like nine and seven against them if, if I win. Yeah, right? uh, Certainly better than I am with the 49ers. That much I can promise. That's right. Steelers plus 10 at Browns. I think it went down to nine, nine and a half. I didn't see this COVID. Who, who got COVID now? I, that's a pro football talk said that they're, that's the game that's in jeopardy earlier before. I don't know. I did a pod before too. And it's early. I don't, I mean, so don't quote me on it. I don't know, but that's, that's what there's some sort of unnamed breakout, but I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's nothing, but well, it went, uh, down, it went down yeah. to nine and a half. It was 10, but we have 10. Yeah. I took the Browns. I, I feel like if Mason Rudolph's in there, first of all, he's terrible, but second of all, Browns have to win. this. Yeah. Yeah. And third of no, all, if yeah. Mason Rudolph's in there, that means like James Connor's probably not in there. They're going to sit you know, they're not going to play. A lot of guys are going to get reduced snaps. So it's not just the QB when this stuff happens. Yeah, no, I, I picked the Browns and I ranked them. I think it's my third fantasy D this week. They're underpriced in DFS because, you know, they're thinking they're facing a good Steelers team. So, so yeah, I like, I like the Browns to roll here. All right. Jets plus three at Pats. I mean, the Pats suck. The Jets have won two in a row against playoff bound teams or close to, you know, probably playoff bound teams. Although the Rams may not make the playoffs now, but I took the Pats. I just think Belichick will just have one last good game, even though the Bills smoked them. Yeah, I mean, it's ugly game over under under 40 in today's environment. Um, but got to go Belichick over Gacy. I'm just disappointed this isn't the tank bowl as we, you know, I mean, it would have been nice if the Jets were still looking at Trevor Lawrence here and we saw Belichick try to out, out tank him there. That would have been fun to watch. But as the case, I'll just go with the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, okay. What you think Stidham is going to play is going to start or camp? I don't, I think cam is what Belichick said last Give him, He's worked hard and gets up, you know, all that studying or yeah. whatever. I think they'll give him one more start to end I, the year. I agree. I, I think they've given up on Stidham. I think, Stidham, you know, when Jalen hurts came in against the Packers, yeah, he looks for, bad. I know for yeah, that Stidham quarter, like it's like you're in a headlight. He came in in that quarter. You're like, Oh, this guy can deal. And then he plays the saints yep. and wins. And you're like, Oh, this guy's good. Like usually yeah. when the backup is good, he comes in yeah. and balls, you know, at least does something. Yeah. Stidham shows nothing. Nothing. looks like deer in the headlights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You love that dude too. No, I did. The local media loved him. I don't know what that was, that hype was about. You got, dude, you got Van, just, it was like Van Jefferson. It was like you, you yeah, fell for well, the yeah. same thing that oh, I, I miss. For. I misread Belichick. I thought he was. I misread the whole situation. They look horrible. All all the alternative was bad too. I mean, I I I, did, I was skeptical that the aged uh, Cam Newton could step into that system after being out a year and a half, also, and that didn't turn out to be great either. So yeah, I, 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 the the I thought it was like obviously I'm going to owe you money we did the patriots or versus uh, bucks that i thought it was you know relatively 50 50 but could those have gone two different ways more i thought you were the favorite after cam signed i i, yeah. I would still take a chance like cam if i were a team that needed a cheap quarterback because i mean look brady was terrible in the second half with those that setup all that setup is terrible i mean he's asking a lot to like survive that situation those guys were horrible that he's playing with yeah, no doubt about that. I must be the Stidham guy, by the way, though. When he came in the game Monday night, someone went out of their way to tweet at me. You're going Stidham and call me an idiot. And then yeah. you're going Stidham is on playing now. So uh, you're you're a Stidham, Stidham guy. guy. But luckily, you want it to be for long because you probably won't be in the league long enough for it to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm the Buxton guy. That guy keeps surviving. Yeah, yeah uh, be so wrong, the bum's out of the league. Right, uh, exactly. That's, that's how you get out of it. Yeah. Real man, yeah, real man only uh, attaches himself to players nobody remembers. Yeah. Vikings minus seven at Lions. That thing went down to six and a half, I think. We got it at seven. Everybody picked the Vikings. Yeah, it's six and a half now. But I'll stick with it. You know, if Stafford plays, I'd probably take the seven. But I don't know that Stafford's going to play. And I know Dalvin Cook after. They probably moved because Dalvin Cook got scratched after I locked in this pick. But Oh, but, right. Yeah, so that probably moved to half a point. But that's a big half. Uh, from seven to six and a half. I, I don't really feel strongly about it, but it, it's really, if Stafford doesn't play, I, I wouldn't take the Lions unless I were getting 14. If Stafford does play, I'd probably take. Yeah, I feel similarly. I, I took the Vikings here. Uh, they're, they're assuming they're going to try to win this and I'd still roll with Madison as a, as a top start. And the Lions defense is so bad. They are, they've allowed the most rushing touchdowns and the highest YPA. That's a nice combo last in DVOA. They're terrible, man. As you said, the worst 
performance of any sort of medium in recent in recent memory yeah. last we saw them so the vikings defense minutes. wasn't especially good against the saints either though <laughs> was, i was pissed camara you know camara had six <laughs> touchdowns he could have had eight he easily could have had eight he he dropped a touchdown pass and they had to settle for a field goal and then one of them they gave to Taysom hill they could have got camara eight touchdowns yeah stafford plays you're right mike zimmer's even calling his own defense the worst he's ever coached so yeah you're right that was pretty ugly camara right. ugh. Falcons plus six and a half at Bucks. I like the Falcons. The Bucks are playing for something, but it's very little. What they're playing for is to be the fifth seed rather than the sixth seed, which they'll need a win to do, but only if the Rams beat the Cardinals. But now that Goff is out and Kyler Murray's probably playing, the Rams are underdogs. So this win only matters if the Rams win. So they're sort of playing for something marginal, and the Falcons are good they're tough so uh, give me six and a half yeah i sent in bucks and stat picks but i i probably would switch for the reasons you just said i didn't quite realize how it didn't how little this mattered to tampa bay and atlanta plays defense and flashes here and there it's whatever i think it could be close so i would probably switch this to atlanta so the, the, the one thing where it's valuable is that the bucks if the rams did win and it's only like minus three now that the cardinals then the bucks by winning would be the five seed, which means they play the winner of the NFC East instead of the Seahawks, Saints, or Packers, whoever. That's yeah, pretty the big then. So that is yeah. something. It's not nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, anyway. All right. Uh, Ravens minus 12 at Bengals. I took the Bengals because they played better of late. You took the Ravens. I don't, I'm not going to fight for this one, though. Yeah, yeah. Tough one. I took the Ravens, but, but yeah. Okay. Dolphins yeah. plus one at Bills. I saw this go up to two. Now, I thought both, I assume both Pittsburgh and the Bills would try this week to get the number two seed. Uh, Pittsburgh gets it if they win and Buffalo loses, but Buffalo's playing Miami who needs to win. It's a tough game for them. So why wouldn't Pittsburgh try? But now Pittsburgh announced they're not trying. So now Buffalo doesn't have to try, but Buffalo's favored by two. Is Buffalo going to try knowing that Mason Rudolph is starting for the Steelers? Right. The spread reflects to me that the Bills are not going to try, so that's why I sent in Miami. But, I mean, why would anyone bet a lot of but why would it be, that with so much unknowns? But if the Bills are not going to try, why is this line, Why are the Bills favored at all? Why isn't it Dolphins minus four yeah, and a half? Why is it, it's very weird. Too, but yeah, it's like, like, it, it seems to me they don't know either, Then they, they split the difference. Yeah, so I like the Dolphins because I think that this is – I mean, if the Bills try, this line should be like six, seven. But, like – yeah, maybe it is just right down the middle almost. All and right. Matt Barkley and Jake Fromm could be really bad too. Like, yeah. like Barkley could be really bad. All right. Okay. Yeah, Miami's defense is good. Yeah, I think the Dolphins. Okay. That, that seems like it could be mispriced. Like, if they don't try, why would they try? You know what I mean? Like, that really could just be a bad spread. Like, why Why aren't the Dolphins favored by four and a half in that? Right? I mean, it, you know, if the Steelers didn't announce Mason Rudolph, then the Bills – but the Steelers don't even care. It's really weird. Why yeah. don't they care about the yeah. two seed? We'll, yeah, we'll use Dolphins in that. That's just mispriced. I think. Th- that's, think about that's this. A weird think about this. The Steelers oh. and Bills, if they if if the seeds hold, will play each other in the uh, divisional round. And don't you want that game to be at Pittsburgh and not Buffalo for the Steelers, or vice versa? But the Steelers are just flat up like we don't care. Maybe Ben is like really hurt or something, and they just can't. Yeah, he supposedly tweaked his knee week thirteen. Okay. I don't know whatever, okay. but yeah. All right, Jaguars plus fourteen at Colts. I took the Jags, but honestly, yeah, uh, I don't care. I, I was it was just sort of like, well, now that they've locked up Trevor Lawrence, let's go play some football. Yeah. But they kept Glennon in there for God knows what. You know why they're keeping Glennon in there now instead of Minshew? It's because if they switched to Minshew, they'd be given away that they tanked. Yeah, <laughs> it's like OJ. I, I Colts in this, but it's a stay away. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> OJ. Too obvious. Yeah, you got it. You know you got to find the real killers as soon as you get acquitted, because if you were innocent, that's what you would do. So it's not just, Oh, I got acquitted. I, I'm cool. Oh, we got Trevor Lawrence. Now we can go ahead and start Minshew. You can't do that because you got to play it out as though you really thought Glennon was better the whole time. Right. I right? It's OJ looking for the real killers. That's what this, this is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Packers minus five and a half at bears. And the Bears are good now. It's at home. They're fighting for the Oh, really? you were wrong. I, I caught this XM segment. You oh, Greg Ambrosius. Uh, yeah, he was right. Greg, yeah. I, uh, I don't, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Greg Ambrosius was right. Um, Greg Ambrosius was right. I can't believe I'm saying that. I know. He said five and a half in the square list. It's like, oh, it's going to be three. We'll check back is what you said. So yeah. I'm here to remind you. Don't, <laughs> you would have just let it go. I did. I did. I remember, but then I forgot after. I was like, oh, Greg was right. And I was like, I should say something. And then I forgot. And then I was never going to remember again until this, <laughs> until this moment. But uh, yeah, Greg Ambrosius was correct for once. 
I was incorrect. He, he knows knows the Packers, but I like the Bears. I think it should be about three because uh-huh. I think this is a tough game on the road against uh, you know the Packers are really good. I mean they're a really good team, but I don't think this is like a tough. This is a tough one. Yeah, I think the Bears too. Yeah. Okay. I mean they're playing for home field, so both teams are going all out. All right, Titans minus seven and a half at Texans. This is like a really big line if Deshaun Watson plays, but Deshaun Watson, who knows? And then if he doesn't play, this line is too small. And if he does play, it's probably too big, but I can still see the Titans smashing them anyway, even though it's too big. Like just one of those games where the Titans go downhill with Henry and they just pull away at the end. Absolutely. The Texans specifically are actually the worst rush defense in the second halves of games, too. So it could be very ugly there. But I think I did send in Texans, the Texans to you just because it's a seven and a half. And if Watson does play more, that's a lot more than a touchdown for a Titans defense is not very good. Is what was my thinking backdoor cover there. But yeah, that's a stay away. Yeah, Watson will light them up. But if he plays. All right. Saints minus six and a half at Panthers. I made the six and a half. So I was right on the number. But uh, the Panthers are pretty decent, but I think it's one of those games where you, you see the limitations of the Panthers. I feel like a couple of games where they played good teams, they were in it for a while, and then the other team pulled away. So I'm taking the Saints. I'm taking the Panthers just for Okung purposes, yeah, no right. other reason. But he's also, not playing, though. No. He's not playing. I know he's been banged up at all year. That calf or something. But he's been—they've uh, impressed me defensively because not just last week. Whatever, it's a bad defense. Uh, I mean, sorry, bad QB in Washington. They were underpriced in DFS. But was it the week before they really pressured Aaron Rodgers the second half, and no one pressures yeah. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, so, they beat up on him and, and almost yeah, came back. So the, Panthers defense are kind of onto something here. So outdoors, no, give me the Panthers. I, yeah, I, Drew Brees. What's he going to play the whole game? What is their incentive to play it? He's got oh, no, 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 it's a huge, huge incentive. They, they get the one seed if the Packers lose and they win. Yeah, so they could still lose. Okay, so there's huge incentive. All right, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, and, and the Saints' offensive line is so good; they'll run the ball and Kamara. And their defense, good. yeah, the defense yeah. is good too. All right. And now no Mike Davis and, and no McCaffrey. So I don't even know who they're starting at running back. So okay. I should pick someone up in the stake league. Cause I'm it's Schuler, me and Len Hochberger neck and neck for the double buyer. So I was way down. I've had some massive weeks just to even get into this. So I'm like, I like care about this now. Get out. Oh yeah. Week 17. I remember that. Back yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. When I was, yeah. It's actually, it's such a good league still. All right. Chargers minus three and a half at chiefs. I can't believe you made the chiefs your best bet. The Chargers should be favored by like eight. I mean, the chiefs are starting Chad Henney. They're probably not going to play Tyree Kill or Kelsey. I mean, all their best players are going to be sitting. Yeah, I went contrarian here a thousand percent. I expected to be the only one on the Chiefs too, and I'm like, ah, screw it. This uh, it's one other one last time to win money thanks to Anthony Lynn. I'm telling yeah. you, it's, it's You're one final right. time. It's it's more than a field goal in Arrowhead. I don't care if it's their backups. The the funny thing is, I had I thought it was Matt Moore, not even Chad Henney. Uh, in my head when he was uh, he'll be fine well, what's but the difference chad henny same difference and uh and uh they're, they're whatever they i still think they're uh just their depth and just the, the coaching even the chargers get out to a lead they'll just run it up the gut then to let them come back so uh, i i i i thought i knew that it was insane he was just the best bet but yeah the unmotivated uh chiefs uh, three and a half point dogs uh, is, is what i sent is my best bet by the way i think it'd be fitting if they win because just to, to be a perfect end to my my overall football season here is the chiefs will be what 15 and one with their lone loss the only week i use them in survival as home, <laughs> that home, was, uh, home against the raiders i mean so fun said, this your, stuff. your spite reverse your reverse jinxing them out of spite is what you're actually doing yeah pretty much yeah just because that's fitting them to finish 15 and one and that'd be the week i yeah. anyway so so yeah all right and now seahawks, seahawks minus five and a half at the niners you and i are the only ones that took the seahawks i was initially on the niners and then trent williams not playing are oh, yeah. not playing i started thinking yeah, the Niners, as soon as I took the Cardinals last week, and as soon as I saw like the first two series, it's like, oh, that was wrong. The Niners, they yeah. just either are there or they're not. It's just, it's so mm-hmm. night and day with that team. And I think without. I know, and, and Kittle, he was in his back. And yeah. Beathard is not like as much upside, but the problem with Mullins is a turnover machine. Yeah, so terrible. really, Beathard yeah. was a big advantage, a big upgrade, actually. So not in like a fantasy term, but like in a real life term. So yeah, so, so let's not, con- like, Yes, I keep to be on the wrong end of zigging and zagging with the Niners. So let's con- let's not follow last week. Let's zag. 
And um, I think Seahawks defense talk about improvement. They allowed the third fewest yards per play the last three weeks. And their pass defense has gone from historically bad to like, I think the last seven weeks they've allowed barely 200 passing yards. So the Dunlap trade getting healthy. So um, you want, uh, if that's a four, how, how deep is that stake league? If you're looking for someone maybe on your waiver wire, still Richie James may get targets there. Cheap DFS there. He had a big game. My team never won again after Richie James. And I had, Jeff Wilson on my bench on IR. I had all sorts of guys poised if I had had a good, you know, good run of the playoffs, but you knocked me out with that. And I don't know if Richie James will get me a zero and double stake me, or if I can pick up Richie James and he'll do me justice for the, for the damage he did. So I got to think about that. But well, even though the, the Seahawks defense playing better, I'm telling you the there's no IU, the, the game script Niners will be playing from behind. And yeah, but um, it's Beathard and, though. It's Beathard. It's different. Yeah. And, but, and Kittle snaps will be, uh, will be limited. They don't want that contract him getting yeah. hurt. So anyway, just a thought. Okay. Raiders minus two and a half at Broncos. I almost switched to the Raiders. I have a vibe, but then I was like, you know what? These are basically equal teams and one's laying wood on the road. And the Raiders have been terrible the last, five or six weeks and so i took the broncos my first inclination was going to be the broncos as my best bet but then i thought about it more too and you're right the raiders have like lost three in a row and they're kind of due for a, a good game too so I, I i could see it totally but I, I went with the broncos um definitely looking into stacking lock and judy again in dfs that was fun last week dude that dude they do drop five balls including a touchdown and one the game would have would have probably resulted in overtime. So like that guy cost so many stats. It could have been ten more minutes of stats. Uh, that guy was infuriating. Fifteen targets into sixty-one scoreless yards. I think. Yeah. That's, anyway, that's bad. That's very bad. <laughs> Cardinals. We have plus one and a half at Rams, but that line now that I don't, I made them my best bet because it was they were they were getting a point and a half, and I'm like, we know golf is out. We know Cooper Cup is out. Murray might play. Like, how is this? How are the Rams favored? It just seemed like a, an error. So I took the Cardinals, and then sure enough, Murray seems like he's going to play. So, what do, you, what do you think at minus three, which is where the line is now? Yeah, obviously, I'm on the wrong side here. Um, and then Cup is out too, further, and they're third. And Akers Aker, might play, but he's banged up, and Darrell Henderson's out. So there were like Malcolm Brown and Robert Woods and Van Jefferson. That was, I pick him up. That's, that's what I'm going to pick that's up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Blake Bortles and Wolford has not even thrown a pass. Um, this Arizona D did make Jeff Wilson look good last week, but totally different circumstances. It's going to be low scoring, I would imagine. But yeah, Murray plays. That spread still seems about right. I guess it could be ugly offensively. So probably Arizona now. Obviously, you got it right in stat picks. Well, we'll see. I mean, you never know. But yeah, but I just mean, you know, we'll yeah, send of course, it. of course. Nobody would. Yeah, yeah nobody yeah. would take them at that point. All right, and last one, uh, football team minus one and a half of the Eagles. Originally I had the Eagles, then I realized I was just rooting for the Eagles because I like Hurts. I have Hurts on my stake league team, and I'm a Giants fan, so I need the football team to win. I mean the uh, Eagles to win to get in the playoffs. But then I started thinking about it. Although now Alex Smith, it looked like he was going to play, and now it looks iffy. But when I thought Alex Smith was going to play, and then Fletcher Cox got hurt last week, and the Eagles fell apart after that. And then Dallas got to Hurts like he had no time. They were false starting like a million times, the offensive line. And, uh, you know, the football team's even better pass rush. So I laid the wood. Yeah, I sent in my Eagles pick. I could see it either way. All that makes sense. Certainly going to be uh, the Washington's defense is, is for real. But the quarterback situation's iffy. McLaurin is hurt. Gibson right. is hurt. So that offense could just be ugly. And I'm so in on Jalen Hurts. I know he, he didn't look great in the second half. And obviously the secondary was so bad against the uh, Cowboys last week. But um, that should be a fun Sunday night game. It should be exciting for you, hopefully, if your G-man pull off a win earlier in the day. Yeah, I'll watch in the morning, but I'll be like, come on, let's get in the playoffs. It would be so funny. It would be so funny to see Danny Dimes in the playoffs, the Giants. I mean, it's 6-10. and Well, the Colts might have 11 wins and not make the playoffs. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. I I mean, it would just be great. You know, and the Giants almost beat the Bucs the first time. So they could host the Bucs, beat the Bucs at home, and then – who they oh, put, yeah, Brady in the playoffs. Yeah, they never upset Brady in the that'd playoffs. That'd be awesome. That'd be so great. And then they'd go to the to the one seed. They'd go to the Packers. If the Packers win or they go to the Saints. And they'd probably just get smoked in that second game. But it would be fun just to just even have – even if they get smoked in the first game, it would be fun. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm rooting for you, definitely. Right. Um, yeah, first first home game, I think, would, I would this would be Aaron Rodgers' first uh, championship game he'd ever uh, get to play at home, I believe. Uh 
crazy. Right, right. Well, because they got they were a wild card team when they won the Super Bowl. When they were fifteen and one, the Giants knocked them out in the divisional round, their first game. Right, right, right. Yeah, and then last year they played in in San Francisco. They um, and, and, and as you know, it's not great. It's like oh well, they wouldn't have any any crowd there but all obviously a the weather would help in lambeau and b i would argue that part of the reason that they do have home field is because of this weird covid year that helped aaron Rodgers ball on the road with his barking you know all his awesome signaling on the road so i think it helped him overall yeah maybe so maybe so all right man what is my picks man we got to come up with five yeah. picks all right i would personally use the well i i like the cardinals even at minus three i i just think like it's going to be a joke that Rams offense. Uh, I like the, I kind of like the saints. You don't like them though. You like the Panthers. I like the bears. Dolphins. I say, let's use dolphins. That's off. Sure. You can use the dolphins. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for chiefs. So just come up with fine. Take the, I don't care. Like, with a zero at stake. So fine. Take dolphins and chiefs and I'll take the other three. I'll take the saints, the Cardinals and the uh, bears and the bears. All right. All right, cool. Um, that's all I got. Uh, good stuff. I finally watched the Queen's Gambit. Uh, very much enjoyed it. Really good. And I'm working on my year end list. So I'm sure we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk soon. I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought it was like I like the chess and I love the style of it. And the uh, the actress was easy to look at. But I thought the story was just okay. You know, it wasn't. There wasn't like it was like the acting was okay. The story was okay. It was just more about I, I love chess, so I love the the whole chess thing and. And it was very stylish, the whole thing, but and, and the different cities they were in. But I didn't think it was – I thought it was like a B-plus, personally. Well, 100% agree with you. It was not perfect, and it had its faults and maybe an episode uh, maybe too long. But I, I personally fell for it, though. Like, at the end, I was like, oh, I can't think of a sports movie that had me more into the, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the finale. So I, I will say I, it did get me, though. But I completely understand your, what you're saying there. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, perfect. But good stuff and uh, good talks, Liz. And uh, yeah, Happy New Year, man. All right, man. You too.